Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas, hosted by me, your elevation guide, Jenea Barnes. Hello, friends. We are going to talk about that evil, evil beast procrastination, right? We all do it sometimes, but I want to let you guys know there's a lot of reasons why people procrastinate. I have procrastinated on doing this talk for quite some time because there's so much and so many layers involved with the source cause, the reasons, and it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. So as I run through all of this stuff, you want to really pay attention like, hey, could that be me? And then I'm going to tie it almost all of it together down to one thing, which is kind of crazy. I got kind of super excited when I realized what the overarching like blanket thing of why we procrastinate is. But we'll start here. Um, I'm also going to drop, because I always forget to do this, I'm going to drop my links and stuff in the chat. So if you guys are curious about working with me, I'll talk about that later, but you have easy access to the links. Okay. All right. Procrastination. Let's do this. All right. So the first thing that I want to talk about is one of the reasons that we wait until the last minute to get stuff done is because there is no choice. At that moment, there is no choice. It's either shit or get off the pot. You have to do it. And when you have to do it, you do it. Be And there's no space for all this other noise that I'm talking about to come into the sphere and distract you. So you guys know if it has to be done tomorrow or somebody will die, you're going to get it done, right? But if you have two weeks, a month to get it done or somebody will die, there's a lot of room for all this stuff that I'm going to talk about to come up and gnaw at you. But down to the wire, you get to focus, none of that other stuff. You laser focus and you can't let any of that other stuff in. So I'm gonna talk first about, well, let me talk about something that kind of fits outside of the box of my thing. And that is addiction to stress chemicals. A lot of us live in fight and flight. We're in survival mode. And if things are calm for too long, we actually feel agitated and uncomfortable. And one of the reasons for that, some people are addicted to the stress chemicals. It's like anything, if you you think about maybe a period of time in your life where there was a lot of drama, or maybe some of you guys have been addicted to the news, where 
it just creates this stress, this worry, but you can't stop. You keep going down it. And then if you don't pay attention for a while, your body starts to jones for those stress chemicals. So that's one reason some people procrastinate. It's not the wide reaching thing, but it definitely is one reason. So if you are a person that's always living kind of on the edge and you have a lot of drama in your life, you have a lot of this um, just stress and you're used to it and it feels normal, you're in fight and flight, you're in survival mode, you might procrastinate because you are looking for a fix for those stress chemicals. It's just like drugs. Drugs change your body chemistry, right? Yeah. Excuse me. Drugs change your body chemistry and stress also changes your body chemistry. And so if we get addicted to a certain body chemistry, we will chase it. So one of the ways you can do that is to wait till the last minute so that your stress amps up when you're trying to get it done. And it's literally like getting a drug fix. And then, of course, there's if there's no benefit to completing the task, I have a thing on my list to make some spice shelves <laughs> in the kitchen. Right now, I have a lot on my plate, a lot I want to do, a lot of stuff that's in my important category, my urgent category, and making spice shelves is in the not important, not urgent category. So I'm procrastinating like crazy on that because it's there's not very much value in me getting it done. Like it will make my kitchen look a little nicer. And of course I'll like it when it's done, but compared to the other things, there's little to no value to it. Okay, so now I wanna dig into the bulk stuff. The main reasons most people procrastinate. I'm gonna start with my favorite. This is why I procrastinate. And you guys have heard, I'm sure you've heard me talk about it. You've got to feel your feelings, right? So emotions are a big source of procrastination. And for me personally, when I have emotions coming up, I don't always catch it. I'm pretty good at catching it, but, or I'll catch it maybe a couple hours into procrastinating basically. But if I have emotions that are trying to work through that are uncomfortable, I will start doing little stupid busy tasks or I'll start watching TV. This is, this is the times when I go in the Netflix hole. For me personally and for people that are avoiding emotions by procrastinating, they'll usually pick a task that will not allow space and mind their mind to actually like calm down when i'm supposed to be doing something usually it's something on the computer creating something something i think about but there's lots of space in there for the emotions to creep up for me to start to feel whatever it is that i'm trying to avoid for me, if I watch TV or a movie, my mind is focused on that the whole time. There's no room for me to let these emotions well up inside of me. 
We, we can do this with alcohol, drugs. You can do it with a lot of things, avoiding emotions. So again, in that emotional category with feeling the feelings. So avoiding feeling the feelings is one of the reasons we procrastinate. If we take some time and it's not always fun to just allow ourselves to let those emotions well up and out. Very often, as soon as we do that, we actually feel like doing the thing that we were supposed to be doing. It's pretty cool. If you can catch it and you can allow those feelings to come up, sometimes they're old feelings from some past thing that you stuffed the feelings down. So that's one way you can kind of edge out of procrastination if you are suspecting that it's because you are avoiding your feelings. Now, of course, there's when we're speaking in the realms of emotions, there is that feeling of overwhelmed and being scattered, right? Not knowing where to start, lack of focus. So all of that stuff has an emotional component to it. Overwhelm is the, you see the big tasks, it's huge. I've been feeling that way with one particular task of mine. It, um, there's so many layers to it. It's like this big wave. And then I found this program, this computer program that I can actually map out what my brain looks like. It's called Miro. And I actually mapped what I'm going to talk about. On this. But, and it shows all that crazy stuff. So it was able for me, for me personally, I was able to ease that overwhelm down because I could get my the crazy map in my head out on a very manageable method of working with it. So overwhelm, one of the big things that we can do about overwhelm is we just have to chunk it down. We have to start small. And sometimes that's really hard. But again, if we learn how to deal with our emotions, the more we learn how to deal with our emotions, the easier dealing and shifting what overwhelm looks like for you will be. Okay. You guys ready for the next one? Are you ready? Okay. So this one goes into consciousness and responsibility. This is one that was a big thing for me. It didn't really portray to my procrastination that much, but for lots of people, it does. That inability to delay gratification. We all want to have a good time, right? I want to have a good time. But sometimes we have to do our chores first. And so we'll decide to just put off the chores, throw away the chores. I'm going to go have a good time instead. I'm going to procrastinate by having a good time. So one of the reasons we do this is because we do not know how to delay gratification. All we can see is that first layer of, what's the word I'm looking for? Of results. So if your friend calls you up and says, hey, let's go to a party. I want to go to a party. Gosh, I miss going to parties. So. Friend calls you up, 
you want to go to a party and you have this mountain of work that you need to get done and you're like, hell yeah, I do. And you're just like, throw out the work, go to the party, go for the good time. Because for you, you're really only being able to focus on the results of the first immediate thing, not able to focus on the secondary results. <laughs> the secondary results are that part where what happens when you get the work done and then maybe you got some new clients because of it, which brought you in some money, which actually allowed you to, instead of going out for one party, to take a vacation and take a whole week off. So being able to not be able to delay that gratification of earning the money for the larger vacation and settling for the instant gratification. There's this psychological test they did a long time ago called the marshmallow test. And it was this thing where they gave kids, here you go, you can have this marshmallow now, or you can wait and you'll get three or two marshmallows later. And what they learned, and though this might really resonate with a lot of you, they redid the test years later. And what they learned from that was that the kids that grew up being lied to, the kids that grew up being promised things that didn't come to fruition, the kids that maybe grew up in less comfortable socioeconomic situations were the ones that had a more difficult time delaying the gratification. Because what starts to happen, you guys know I talk about the subconscious mind a lot, what starts to happen is you form beliefs that that larger payoff is never going to happen. And if that is subconsciously wired into you, then of course you're going to go for the party now as opposed to waiting for the vacation later. Make sense? So what we can do about that is we can bring consciousness and responsibility to it. We can also, of course, you know, work with somebody to rewire some of that stuff. But by acting with consciousness and bringing your awareness to it, being like, whoa, party, okay, slow it down. Here's the big thing. When you're acting with consciousness, you need to slow everything down. You want to slow it down and then span out so you can see the bigger picture. Is this party, this one night of fun, worth giving up the larger vacation that I might be able to do if I actually get my work done now? It's hard. It's hard, especially when we've got this other stuff, all this other stuff coming up that I'm going to continue to talk about. Um, some people also, they make deals with themselves. Well, if I do this, like if I, I remember I had friends in high school, they were like, okay, if I go for a bike ride, then I could smoke some weed, <laughs> but they would maybe not go for the bike ride. But when you allow that's trying to create the reward system in the way that, if I do this now, I can 
smoke weed later, that's creating a reward system. But what procrastinators do is they do it the opposite. Well, I can do this. I'll do this now. And then I'll do my work after that. And of course, the work after that never happens. So it's the opposite of the reward system. Okay. So next, this is a big one. And one of the work I do with people is we get clear on your values and your purpose. A lot of times we don't really, we're not positive and very clear on what our values are, what is important. So like for me, growth and expansion, integrity, directness, these are things that are very important to me. And some things are very outside of my value system. And if we have a task to do, maybe our boss gave us a task and maybe in this task, we have to do something like be really mean to somebody, like take their home away, right? So another one of my values is kindness. And if I worked for a bank where I had to renege on somebody's loan and had to deliver the conversation, not my it's not in my value system to take somebody's home away so because it would feel like i'd be going against my value system it would cause me to procrastinate so when you are really clear on your values and you can look at the task that you're procrastinating on and if you see it's not within your value system that is probably a good reason why you're procrastinating. And then at that point, you get to really check in. Is this something that I even want to do because it's not in alignment with my value system? Can I just throw it away? Can I toss this task out because it doesn't align with my purpose, my values, who I am, who I'm choosing to be? Okay, here's another one that kind of plays into consciousness and responsibility as well as values and purpose. And some people might just call this laziness, but have you ever said, well, if I finish this, I'll be expected to do more? We might have done that at work. I feel like I can think of at least one time where it's like, oh, I'm just going to go real slow on finishing this task because if I finish it, there's going to be this, 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 and this to do. So, and if I do this, 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 and this, then they're going to expect me to do that much regularly. And I really hate this job because it's out of my value system. It's not in line with my purpose. So therefore... I don't want to be expected to do shit in this job. I was going to say the F word. I always feel weird saying the F word, even though I can totally say it. I have like that feeling like my grandma's around the corner and she's going to be mad at me. She doesn't get mad at me anymore when I say the F word. <laughs> but okay. So getting back to this thing. 
The other, now we're getting into another thing is the lack of efficacy. If you guys have questions too, I know a couple of you guys have commented, but if you have questions to ask me directly about any of this stuff, leave a comment. I'm down to answer questions. So the next one is that sense of efficacy, that feeling like you don't know how. Got that one? Oh, I really want to do a podcast, but I don't know how. And some people were brought up and they were trained, trained? <laughs> do we train our kids? I guess we train our kids. We were all trained. We were all potty trained and sleep trained and hopefully. <laughs> But some people were trained to have a strong sense of efficacy and some people were not. I feel very fortunate that my mom, she made a lot of mistakes, but she did one thing really great. And she always had me try something. She always had me try to do it before she did it for me. She tells me that she was always amazed that I could actually do the things, <laughs> but and part of that was because I had some other stuff going on. I was really looking for approval. I needed acknowledgement. I wanted her to tell me that I was a gee gear. Good girl. That's how I used to say it when I was little. Gee gear. So that strong sense of efficacy was wired into my brain. If I don't know how, I believe that I can do it and I will figure it out somehow. And I'll tell you guys that I don't know how is an excuse. I know that it's not wired into everybody's brain. And for some people, it's really hard. When I work with people that don't have a strong sense of efficacy, I don't give them a ton of homework at once because it's too much. You need to start small with this stuff, you guys. You need to prove to yourself little by little with adding one small thing at a time that you can do it. And as you do that, you start to build your sense of efficacy. And as that grows, you begin to believe that you can do whatever it is you put your mind to it. Because if I'm going to give you a million dollars to complete a task, you're going to figure it out. And if you've already developed a strong sense of efficacy, you'll figure it out even faster. So this is a big one. If y'all like, if your parents did everything for you, if you were doing, if your parents were doing your laundry while you were 17 years old, you might have some efficacy issues. I mean, maybe they taught you in other things, but really teaching you that autonomy, teaching you to be able to really trust yourself that you can do things. And when we feel like we can't do something, when we feel like it's way over our head and way out of our league, way out of our realm, we're not going to want to step into trying to do it. And this leads me to the number one source of procrastination. The number one source, you guys, is the lack of self-worth. So if you tr tried over and over to do something and you didn't do it, you were you failed at it, 
This begins to play and work and damage your sense of self-worth. Now, self-worth leads to a lot of problems. A lot of the reasons we procrastinate, the source is self-worth. First and foremost, and this plays with that, with that I don't know how, is thinking that you're not good enough to do it. Like, who am I? Who am I to do this? It's funny. I watched this episode with Oprah and somebody asked her about what is the like, what is the voice that you hear in your head? You know, we all, most of us have these little voices that we hear that say you're not good enough or whatnot. But Oprah's that she, I think I probably saw this interview 10 years ago. So, but she was widely successful and the voice she heard was, who do you think you are? Like, who do you think you are that you can do something this big that you think you can do something this big? Who do you think you are? Some of us that maybe grew up in a blue collar family and we went to college and we got educated and Maybe we got a really good job, but still in the back of your head, you hear your less educated family members that don't really, that have always said, oh, educated people are snobby. They think they're better than me or us. And who do you think you are? So that's a big one. Anyone can relate to that one? But having that feeling underneath is going to sometimes cause you to not want to step into finishing your tasks, starting that business, taking the leaps, taking the big leaps for the things that you really want, the things that will open up your heart and make your heart sing. So another one. This one stems from self-worth, from a lack of self-worth, and sometimes it just stems from there's too much going on, but you might be too tired, physically tired, and a lot of that comes from not valuing yourself enough to put yourself first, to take care of yourself. People are always talking about self-care these days, but... People that have a low self-worth will exhaust themselves taking care of everybody else's stuff and not take care of their own because perhaps, perhaps they need to be validated just like I did when I was little. I needed to be validated and for somebody to tell me that I was worth something. So I spent all my energy doing that, taking care of everybody else's stuff, and I didn't work on the stuff that was important to me. I mean, when I was little, this was irrelevant. But I have to tell you guys straight up, I had a low self-worth most of my life. I had a strong sense of efficacy, and I held myself, I worked behind the bar, I held myself with confidence. But inside... I did not feel like I was worth anything. And so one of the things that caused me to procrastinate back then was this lack of taking care of myself, putting everybody else first, 
feeling like I had to prove myself to everybody just to prove that I even had the right to exist. Okay, here's another one. If you are starting a business, taking a big leap, going after a promotion, stepping into big stuff, you guys have heard it. They call it imposter syndrome, feeling like a fraud. This plays into identity and it is a self-worth thing. But a lot of times we taught, we feel like we have this idea of who we are. I am a person that does this. We are a family that does this. We are a family of electricians. We are all blue collar. We work with our hands. We're hardworking. And now here I am a member of that family, but I'm working in some business job and I'm going to go on stage and speak. And, and all I can hear is that you're, you're a fraud. You're a fraud. You are not that person. We are electricians. We work with our hands. We do this. We do that. So feeling like you're not truly who you are aspiring to be. This happens a lot when we switch and move into careers. I know when I moved from being a bartender to being an elevation guide, and you know there are some similarities. I play with the subconscious mind on both sides. <laughs> But there was this thing where I had to let go of this identity of being a bartender. And I had to really own that I am an elevation guide and I have all the tools and skills and knowledge in spades to bring people through what they're going through and help them. And for me, it wasn't, I didn't struggle so much with the imposter syndrome, but I did have a hard time letting go of that bartender identity. I'm going to talk about identity next week on self-sabotaging sagas. So, so tune in for that. We're going to dip into, we're going to talk with this woman named Madeline, and we're going to dip into how she self-sabotaged herself because of identity. And I'll share some more stories about me as well. Okay, so here's um, another one, avoiding confrontation. Sometimes we avoid confrontation. That's a procrastinating thing. We need to tell somebody that they're, we're kicking them out. Your roommate hasn't paid rent in six months. You've got to get them out of the house. You cannot live like this anymore. They are driving you crazy, but you just avoid it because you don't want to have that confrontation, because ultimately this often comes from that low self-worth. If you valued yourself enough to put yourself first, to do practice that self-care, to take care of your space, we will move forward and we will kick that horrible roommate out. There's fear possibly in there too, and we'll talk about fear in a little Another one is perfectionism. All right, this is a big one. If I can't do it perfect, why am I going to do it? 
Somebody else has done it so much better. And man, you guys, if you are doing any kind of business online and you've done any Google searches about anything in your field, your Facebook feed is flooded with ads of people telling you, oh, you can go from making five figures to six figures in just six weeks by listening to this person and show you how I do it. So all these ads, people talking about how they're doing it so great and how it's so easy, but then you're not doing it. So feeling like, how am I going to do it as good as them? So many people have already done it that way. It's funny. I used to really feel like, oh, well, if I'm going to get ads on my Facebook feed, then I'd much rather it be about stuff that I've been searching for and I'm interested in. And I've come to realize it messes with your head, you guys. If you are struggling in self-worth in any area and your feed is just flooded with all these people supposedly doing so well. Oh, you know, and here's the behind the scenes thing, you guys. Half of these people aren't even doing what <laughs> they say they're doing. They couldn't make it. So now they're going to teach people, teach other people how to make money because they couldn't figure out how to do it because they know what it feels like to be there being like, oh, I can't make money in my field. So it feels like this and this and this. So they can write that marketing copy right to your heart, straight to your heart because they know what it feels like. But they would chose to market to you because you're an easier target, but they have to make themselves look like they're doing perfect. And so you, if you have that perfectionist thing, you're like, well, how am I going to do as well as that person and that person? And now there's 80 million people doing what I'm trying to do and they're doing it so much better than me. So why even try? Why even try? It's all bullshit, you guys. Smoke and mirrors. Some people are really good at marketing. It doesn't mean what you're doing is not worthy because you all have something amazing to offer. And the idea of perfectionism is a made up thing. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Step in. Step in and do not let having to be perfect rule whether you're going to do something or not, whether you're going to put something on the back burner and procrastinate. And if you mess it up, it doesn't mean there's anything bad or anything wrong with you. I used to be a total perfectionist and I catch myself still sometimes a little bit. I'll be like, Oh, wait, I, I got to go change that punctuation. I got to fix it. <laughs> and sometimes it slows me down, but I'm not afraid to step in and fall on my face. And that in itself has, may, has meant that I actually do things now. Things that I just thought about for years. You know, one of the reasons I left San Francisco many years ago is I used to say, 
I'm tired. So, you know, my bullshit excuse. I'm tired of being behind the bar and listening to the same people talk about doing the same crap that they were going to do 10 years ago, sitting on that bar stool saying the same thing. Well, a lot of these people had a low self-worth. They were perfectionists. They were afraid to step in. And you know what? I was doing the same shit. You know, it's always a mirror, you guys. I'm going to see what in my in other people where I'm not doing so well. So if it's making you mad about somebody else, look in the mirror. Say, whoa, is this something I do? Is this something? It's because it's either usually something you do or something that's triggering you from a wound. Some emotional wound that you haven't cleared up. And you can do that. We can clear up all that stuff. Okay. So they, we talked a little bit about putting other people's needs up in front of your own. That self-care, again, that comes from that lack of self-worth, not valuing yourself. And then, of course, taking on too much. And that, again, comes from not valuing yourself, not knowing how to draw boundaries, not knowing how to say no, and all that stuff comes from that lack of self-worth. If I say no, they're not going to love me. If I draw a line, they're not going to like me anymore. Does that sound familiar, you guys? Yeah. And then again, going, we're going to talk about fear because fear really plays into self-worth as well. A lot of the fear we feel around procrastination stems from source root of low self-worth. That fear of failure. If I fail, they're not going to love me. Low self-worth. Fear of success. Who am I to be this big? If you actually do the things, if you actually write all the songs, make all the music videos, if you actually do all of that, and you could end up being so big, being everything that you're meant to be, that fear of who that person is, identity, low self-worth, all of that stuff. It's scary, you guys. It's scary. But when you feel fully worthy, when you feel like it is your destiny, and when you feel like it's your destiny and your purpose and all of that, when that lines up with a high self-worth and a healthy self-worth, you are unstoppable, you guys. When you are not afraid of being that big, magical, beautiful person that you are, that you are inside here, you are unstoppable and you will get your shit done. <laughs> 
All right. So there's also that fear of judgment. Oh, well, if I do this, that's still that plays in with that fear of success, right? That low self-worth, if they're going to judge me, um, you know, if I, if I step out and do be an elevation guide instead of be a bartender, like what are my old friends going to say? when they only knew me as one person, what are they going to judge me? People that leave like cults and churches, they still struggle with that fear of judgment from their family. If they weren't disowned, they still have that there. It's, it's a big thing, that fear of judgment. And another one, you guys, is the anxiety. But I got to tell you, anxiety is... Oh, it's a secondary emotion. There's always something underneath it. And anxiety is usually fear of the future. So what is the root cause of that anxiety? It's a blanket term. We use it a lot. Oh, I'm feeling, I feel anxiety. I feel anxiety. Nobody's looking at what's causing our anxiety. Nobody's looking at what the root cause is. Is the root cause that fear of failure, that fear of the future, if you do it, if you step in, if you fail, what are people going to say? They're going to judge me. They're going to hate me. They're not going to love me anymore. They're going to shun me and push me away. What if I step in and I do it and I'm successful? And then you're, you, we all know that when you rise and you are more successful, we all lose a few friends along the way because they become haters because they were never in it for our mutual success, they fed off of your misery when it was easy to pick you up when you were feeling down because that made them feel like they were better than you. It's something that happens a lot. So are we afraid of losing? Who are we going to lose when we become successful and we become all that we really are? So we just don't do it. And again, all of that stuff is leading to that low self-worth thing. So here's the thing that I really was amazed as I really started to break all this stuff down. Self-esteem is made of multiple components. It is comprised of, we use this blanket term, self-esteem, right? It's your esteem you hold for yourself, but to have a really healthy well-rounded self-esteem, you must have a high self-worth. We've talked about that, feeling like you're worthy, feeling like you're enough. You must have a strong sense of self-efficacy so that I don't know how to do procrastinate. I don't know how to do it. Procrastination excuse comes from a lack or a low sense of self-efficacy. Operating within your value system and within your purpose, when you operate in your value system, you elevate your self-esteem. When you operate outside of your value system, you damage your self-esteem. When you do not know how to manage your emotions, your emotions are a part of you. And people do it two different ways. People either stuff their emotions and deny them, which means you're denying a part of yourself. When you deny a part of yourself, 
you damage your self-esteem. Or people wallow in their emotions and they be, it becomes part of their identity. We talked about identity a bunch today. If you wallow in your emotions and you don't say, you hear people say it all the time, I'm depressed, I am depressed. They don't say, I feel depressed. So when you wallow in your emotions, you begin to feel like you are the emotion. Well, you are so much more than the emotion. And this damages your self-esteem. So being able to balance and regulate your emotional state is one of the components of having a healthy self-esteem. And operating with consciousness and responsibility. So, you know, we've learned a lot today about why we might procrastinate. So we can bring consciousness to it. We slow down those moments. And when you bring consciousness to it, you can choose to be responsible and choose something different. You can choose to start to look at those secondary benefits because maybe you had that delayed gratification thing, you couldn't do it. But maybe now that you're aware of that, you can start to operate with a new level of consciousness. Now, it's not going to be perfect every time, you guys. It's why it's for most of us, it's been wired into our subconscious. So it takes repetitive practice and practice and practice and practice, or you can work with someone like me and we can clear it out in one session. <laughs> but even so, practicing the consciousness is incredibly important, even if you work with somebody like me, because we need to cultivate new habits on top of creating, getting rid of that wiring around the old habits. So self-esteem is comprised of self-worth, self-efficacy, operating within your value system, managing your emotions, operating with consciousness and responsibility, big pieces. And if with the exception of the chemical addictions for procrastinators and the little to no benefit of the task and that just needing to, yeah, well, with the exception of those couple of things, everything that we talked about here plays into your self-esteem. We talked about your emotions and the overwhelming and the lack of focus and feeling scattered or for me for running away from my emotions. Damages my self-esteem when I do that, guys. When I do it, I'm like, oh, I try not to get mad at myself because that damages my self-esteem, but I check myself and I take the time to sit with my emotions and clear them and move them through. And, you know, it's a work in progress. We're a work in progress. There is no such thing as perfection. I told you guys that, right? <laughs> so the emotions, that consciousness and responsibility, we're bringing that and that not being able to delay the gratification. So slowing those moments down, really uh, spanning out and looking at the big picture, learning what your values and your purpose are so that you can make sure that the tasks and the things on your plate are within your value system. When they're within your value system, it's easier to get them done. 
And of course, practicing and learning a stronger sense of self-efficacy, learning that you are capable of doing all the things. And even if you're not capable of doing something, that you're capable of finding help and asking for help. Asking for help, that's one, I didn't talk about that one. But that comes, not being afraid to ask for help, often comes from that low self-worth. Self-worth has a bit, the biggest role in all these components for procrastination, but it's a huge role in self-esteem. And most of us are suffering from self-worth issues somewhere. Some of us have a very high self-worth at work. Like I used to be very good with that because it was really easy. I knew what people expected. I could do it. I could do it well. And that made me feel worthy. But relationships were more tricky. I, people are unpredictable. I didn't know what to do. And and I wanted love so much, but I ended up, because of my low self-worth, I ended up pushing people away because I did not feel worthy of love. I did not feel worthy of having a new business that I love. I did not feel worthy of making a difference in the world because who am I to think that I can make a difference in the world? So that was big self-worth stuff. And I was a big procrastinator. Now I'm just a tiny procrastinator, a little bit, little bit. And then of course, you know, one thing I didn't talk about is prioritization. And that comes again with that consciousness and responsibility, looking at the big picture, really seeing what's important, what's most important to do and Again, taking care of yourself first, because you guys, we can take so much better care of other people if we are operating at 100%. But you need to feel worthy to feel like you deserve to take care of yourself. It is not selfish, you guys. You actually are kinder to the people in your life when you are taking care of yourself. You are more efficient when you are taking care of yourself. So speaking of taking care of yourself, um, you guys can do some cool things like reach out to me if you want to go from self-sabotage to self-mastery. You can reach out to me and we'll set up an initial conversation. Um, I'm also doing a self-worth workshop. That's going to be five weeks. It's going to be incredibly transformative. It's going to be in the month of May. I have a limited number of spaces. So you guys are going to want to reach out to me and set that up as soon as possible because you don't want to miss out. Five weeks to completely make a big, huge transformation in your self-worth. It's interesting I was talking to a client of mine not that long ago, and I was saying how I was going to do this procrastination talk. And she said, you know, I don't think we ever worked on procrastination. And I thought about it and I scanned through the notes and I was like, no, we never did. She's like, yeah, my procrastination just went away. I mean, she still does a little bit, but for the most part, her procrastination just went poof. 
But you know what we did work on? Self-worth, self-esteem, emotions, values, all of that stuff. So as you really work on all of this stuff, the procrastination will start to slip away. As you build all the components of your self-esteem, especially your self-worth, the components of procrastination will fall away. When you begin to believe that you are worthy of having and receiving all that you are, all that you are meant to do in this world, the procrastination will fall away. All right. Are there any other questions anybody has about procrastination? All right. Well, on that note, y'all reach out to me if you want to set up a conversation to talk about the Worth Up workshop or set up some one-on-one -on -one stuff with me or just have a conversation. So reach out and I look forward to hearing from you. And thanks for tuning in to Self-Sabotaging Sagas and Procrastination. And I will see you guys next week. We're going to be here with Madeline and we're going to talk about identity and the self-sabotage of identity. Thank you guys. See you later. Bye.